Welcome to On Call with Dr. Dave. In this episode, this is another one with Ashley and I, and we're going to be sharing from our own experiences about our own journey to give you a peek inside what it's like to go through this process. And in the episode about the match day, we talked about how we put off a lot of things in our marriage because there were just other things to focus on. And we were going to get through medical school, we were going to get through residency, and then we were going to get through fellowship. So a lot of the things that we were just not dealing with in our marriage, we thought we had an end date where eventually when we were done with medical training, we'd be able to focus on each other and fix the things in our relationship that weren't going as well as they had early on in our relationship. And then you just don't have time to, and the the priority to emotionally connect or be there in a way, just kind of for us specifically, it just became less important. And we kind of just sacrificed a lot of our energy and attention into this goal of medicine. Well, you said we didn't have time. We didn't take time. True. So everybody has time. It's just where you put your priorities and we didn't schedule our relationship to be a priority. Now, this doesn't mean we didn't take time. We still had date nights. We still tried to connect. But a lot of the actual emotional connection we didn't dig into because we were just trying to get through the day, through the week, through the years. And we just let a lot of things slide. Yeah, we did. We had a lot of things slide. And we didn't, we didn't have the language. We didn't have the know-how The know how to do any better. It's not like we were sitting there thinking, wow, I could do so much better. But I'm going to sh- blow this thing up when <laughs> but, fellowship's over. But I'm going <laughs> to choose to ruin my relationship because I just don't want to be bothered. So it wasn't that at all. We were... I don't think anybody goes into a relationship, you know, with the... Or especially a marriage, going into it, thinking it's going to end or thinking it's going to to not go well with that goal of being like, ah, mm-hmm. it'll dissolve at one point. That's not, that's yeah. never anybody's goal. Well, and as you said, once we were great teammates, we were great teammates. So we were very good. We, we balanced the workload. We didn't yell at each other. We weren't angry at each other all the time. You know, the kids were well cared for from the outside. Things were humming along. Everything mm-hmm. was getting done. Well, from the inside, I feel like you've like felt like, Hey, stuff's getting done. We're trudging along. We're, you know, we're on the right path. Yeah, Our I, checklists are getting done, you yeah, know? Yeah, the checklists. So we were good at checklists, and we were good at checking off all of the important bullets we thought were important. And then all those years of putting things off, and we got toward the end of fellowship and just realized we weren't connected. We weren't... Very independent. Our independence became a little... It, we almost weaponized it against each other a little bit. Yeah, we were really good about not needing each other. and. Mm-hmm. Maybe that has something to do with both being middle children or both being just independent people before we got married. Capable people. You you know, know. yeah, like I did well on my own. I Mm -hmm. had jobs my whole life. I'd had my own money, was capable, and you were capable. Mm -hmm. And so together we were very capable of getting everything done. But then toward the end of fellowship, we realized our marriage wasn't what either one of us had wanted for a marriage. And I think one of the biggest issues of why it wasn't because neither of us were working on ourselves. We weren't addressing our own, like we weren't maturing or looking into our behavior, growing as a person, all those kind of things. That was 
are you kidding me? That was the last <laughs> thing that I was even remotely thinking about like self-help book, anything like that. Nope. Stuff had to get done. That was not on my radar. Yeah. And I was just focusing on everything I was required to learn for medical school, residency, mm -hmm. fellowship, and that's all very important. And we still made time for certain things. But, but our relationship was a state of arrested development, I think. Yeah. And so then we decided that it was either go our separate ways. We looked at the possibility of divorce because the relationship wasn't what we wanted. And we were trying to decide if it was even something we wanted to salvage. Mm -hmm. And we decided that we did. We cared. We wanted to salvage our marriage. And so we directed a lot of our energies and attention toward our relationship. And we started going to therapy and we started reading books. And we did, uh, we had a great therapist that let us do a few sessions as a couple. And then he said, you need to be separate for a while. You need to work on you and you need to work on you. Yeah. And he gave us recommendations, very good books that we read. Mm -hmm. But we wanted to talk about one book in specifically. It's a very a, popular book. It's a very popular book, and I have nothing against the book. It just shows our own inadequacies and our own thought processes at the time, how we read the book. And when I've talked to other people, they've had similar thoughts about this book. So we thought it would be interesting to talk about it. So the book is... The Five Love Languages. So if you are not familiar with the Five Love Languages, a quick Google search will tell you basically what they are. But it basically is broken down to people feel love in different ways. And so it has a quiz so you can determine how you feel love the best. And they break it down to five different categories. One is quality time. One is words of affirmation. One's gifts. One's act, acts of service. And the other, the last one is physical touch. And so I took the quiz. You took the quiz. Oh, we, we, both read, we both read the book. Yep, we read the book. And honestly, if you Google like, Hey, problems in your marriage or whatever. This is one of, this advice is everywhere. This book has been around for a really long time and for good reason. I mean, it's applicable, right? All of those things are pretty much true. And when I took the quiz and it told me what my love languages were, it said, I thought, wow, that makes a lot of sense. That's really how I enjoy experiencing love. Yeah. So one of mine was physical touch. And I think back to even just early childhood when I was sitting on a church pew next to my mom, if she scratched my back sitting next to me and gave me a back rub, I felt loved. So that was one way that I just knew that somebody reaching out and touching me, that just always worked for me. I always mm -hmm. asked my mom for back rubs, even from an early age, just physical touch was always very important to me. And then the other ones, you know, like I had, the other was- um, Those were words of affirmation. I think that was- Yeah, words of affirmation, just mm -hmm. being, being told that I'm doing a good job or, you know, just some of those words that mm -hmm. those are meaningful to me. Quality time was a little lower, but you know, so if people touched me and were <laughs> said nice things about me, I didn't need as much time with them. And I, I don't need gifts at all. I don't need gifts and even acts of service. I'm better at giving acts of service than receiving. It's not something that I'm like, Oh, they did something for me. They must love me. And so all the things in the book made sense to me. And I thought, wow, this makes sense. Yeah, mine was definitely quality time. That's how I like to, you know, I feel loved that way. And then I, and acts of service, those were the two. So they were like opposite, by the way. And then the way I do not feel love 
is gifts because I like to buy my own stuff. <laughs> but <laughs> but it's it gave a ranking and it was insightful. It did give us both yeah. like, hey, this is this is a piece about me that I really didn't know before. So yeah. that was nice. And so where we took it the wrong direction, and it wasn't ever spelled out in the book that we took it the wrong direction. And I've never seen it written down anywhere well, it's else. It's kind of implied in the book, the direction to take. Yeah. So, But the way we took it, and when I've talked to other people, I've heard similar things, is we took it as, this is the way I want to be loved. So it was me talking to Ashley saying, if you want to show me you love me, I like physical touch, and I like words of affirmation. And then Ashley did the same. She said, you know, yeah. this is the way I want to be loved. Mm -hmm. Yep. I want you to spend quality time with me and like, yeah, just do acts of service a lot of quality time. And, and this, this was in a moment in our marriage where we're working through a lot of stuff. So it wasn't that we were having great open communication where anything that was said wasn't taken the wrong way. So this was a heated time in our marriage where... You know, we were both trying our best, but we were also both very sensitive. Very, yeah. And yeah, so if, <laughs> so if, if she said something about me not doing something right with the way I was showing her love, I got defensive. I got angry. I took that on. Like I'm showing you love. You're just not recognizing it and vice versa. I, you know. Yeah. And also the, the way it's kind of like, well, you need to show me love this way. It was, it was almost felt it felt forced. It's not like you didn't love the person, but you couldn't show them. Like if you didn't show it in the right way, then you were in the wrong. And it just made you be like, Oh, I don't even like this. I want to do this. You know, yeah. I didn't like it at, at, at all really. And then as we got further along in therapy and just our own personal work, cause we were still meeting with our therapist and working on ourselves. Meeting our therapist separately yeah. and together. Um, but as we got a little bit better, I, I think we both came to the realization at the same time or pretty close to the same time that, you know, the love languages isn't about anybody else and therapy isn't about anything, anybody else. So nothing I learned in therapy was for Ashley. Nothing, nothing I learned about how to act and how to behave was for her or for me to expect that from her. Everything I learned was for me. And for me to be better and for me to show up differently and not to expect anything out of her. This was my journey and she had her own journey. Yeah. It was kind of like coming to the realization that again, it's like letting go of that control. I didn't get to use the love languages as a weapon against my husband telling him he's not loving me right. It's my job to look at the, at his behavior to see how he's showing me love and accept that as love, like to notice it being love, not seem like, well, he kissed me on the forehead, but I really wanted to just go him to go to the store with me. So he's doing it wrong. You know, that's not, that's not helping anybody. Well, and I also like that it, you know, they call it the love languages. So I, th I think about language. If you speak English and you say, I love you, that's impactful. But let's say your spouse speaks German and says, ich liebe dich. And you understand German enough to know, maybe it's not your primary language, maybe it's not your first language, but you know if they say, ich liebe dich, that means I love you. And you can accept that. You don't turn to your spouse and say, you're supposed to say it in English, say, <laughs> I love you. 
sure. you'd say like, well, you know, like he speaks German, that's his main language. And he's telling me he loves me in that language. So it, it flipped everything on its head. And so all of a sudden it said, I know how Ashley likes to show love. And so I'm going to watch for mm -hmm. the way she shows it. And when she shows love in her language, I know that's her showing love to me. And, and I can I accept it as such. And I show love with gifts and acts of service that are different than the way that I want to be loved, which is weird. Yeah. But, but then also knowing your language, like yeah. we can learn each other's languages as mm -hmm. well. It's not that this is your set point. This is how you move forward. Yeah. You can learn a different language. And so now I can show up with quality of time, even though it's not my primary language, yeah. I can show up with quality of time for Ashley and she can show up for me differently. Mm -hmm. And so it's all about how I can interact. And that's all of therapy. That's really the main thing that I've learned is nothing is about the other person. It's all about me. And if I become a better person, then I'm going to be a better spouse, a better husband, and I'm going to show up better for my loved ones. And I think when specifically through medical training, if you can put yourself in a situation where you are looking for how your, how your spouse is showing you love, even if it's not the way you prefer, like extend them the grace to look for that. The fact that they are working as hard as they are working is an act of love. It really is. And so just expand your mind a little bit. I, this is just advice that I would give to any medical couple going through this is expand your mind as to how your partner is actually showing you that they love you. Even if it's not your first instinct and maybe it's not what you prefer, give them the benefit of the doubt that they are showing you love and try to look for those instances. And start the conversations. That's the other thing. We weren't having conversations about how we connected with each other we would show up on date nights and we talk about the kids and life and what we were up to. And then we would kiss and go home and we had date night and we check, check. We, we did date night. We're connecting. But until we really started doing some of these things, we weren't having some of the more in-depth conversations and being vulnerable with each other. And so read love languages. Don't use it. Don't read it for anybody else. Read it for yourself. And then learn about the people in your life and how they like to be loved. And then try to show up for them in that way. But and don't expect them to do it for you. That's that's not, it'd be great if they do, but that's not what you do it for. That's not why you read it. Notice how they're already loving you. Read, the, Learn those love language and then look at the people around you and notice how they're showing you love. But a lot of these things are about conversations. So Ashley's been working on a list of things um, just to spark conversation. Mm -hmm. to make it a little easier to have conversations with the people in your life, with especially with your loved ones. <laughs> this wasn't something I was planning to talk about, but there was a product on a television show. I'm not going to name it. I don't know what legal issues they have, but it's a, <laughs> it's a television show where you go and pitch ideas and products to a bunch of people with money. Mm -hmm. And one idea was for an app, basically, that if you were interested in having sex that day, you would push a button. And if your spouse pushed the button, then you would get a notification that you're both in the mood. And no, wait, nobody gets rejected. Nobody gets rejected. <laughs> nobody's feelings are out there. Nobody has to be vulnerable. Yeah. And after, you know, before therapy and all that, I would have thought that's an amazing idea. <laughs> I mean, I'd be pushing that every single day, hoping she like pushed it. If she never pushed it, then that'd be really sad. But, <laughs> but being vulnerable, just even 
connecting enough with your spouse to say that you're in the mood for sex or to have that conversation. If it's so awkward for couples to have that conversation, then I can't imagine what else is awkward in your relationship. So we need to push past the the awkwardness and make just open connections, especially Mm -hmm. if you have a spouse or a long-term partner in your life, you need to be vulnerable and a lot of these books will at least spark yeah, those conversations. They will. And and I remember when we were really in the thick of it, I I was like, you know, I just need, I need some levity in my life. Like I need some fun. And so, and a lot of the times, you know, especially during residency and stuff, the days are really heavy and they would come home not wanting, you know, not wanting to talk about work, but you still want to connect in some way. So I'm working on a list of questions that are just dumb, silly, funny, fun questions to ask each other just to spark conversation. You never know where a conversation is going to go, but just to get talking. And sometimes that is uh, that starts with a very ridiculous question like, did you ever make out with a mirror like that? <laughs> <laughs> like very off the wall just to have some fun with each other because sometimes when we're mired in in the heaviness of work and just taking care of kids and saving a marriage, honestly, you just need to laugh. And so I'll get that out to y'all. I, um, and it'll be free and it'll be fun. I'm excited. Maybe we'll do some live Q and A's. I love how easy that y'all slipped off your tongue. Sorry. I've been in Texas for too long. Well, and before that, Georgia and Virginia, (laughs) even, you know, Maryland's and technically the South. So we've been, we've been in the South for more of our marriage and we've been out of the South. So, yeah. So (laughs) (laughs) that's basically it for the podcast tonight. We wanted to just be a a short, quick episode just about this topic, just Mm -hmm. open up conversations, be vulnerable with each other and find ways to connect. That's awesome. All right. And as always, please rate, review, and share the podcast. That's the only way people find out about us. Subscribe, is if you do y'all. 